Today, we're talking to Art Sobchak, sales trainer and best-selling author of Smart Calling, and we're going to dig into how to prospect successfully without rejection. People have a lot of thoughts on rejection, and I... I'm not really a big proponent of the just get used to it approach because I don't know I, if you've ever been scared of something and someone just told you to do it anyways or forced you to continue doing that thing that you were scared of, whether that was jumping into the pool and swimming for the first time or petting a dog, maybe when you were a little kid that you were scared of, it usually doesn't work to just force someone to do something that they're scared of because they might remain scared of that thing or it might make it a little bit of a traumatic experience in the case of the dog or the swimming pool. And I think the thing with cold calling especially is that we can feel really call reluctant and be afraid of rejection because of how we frame our mindset around what the purpose of the call is. And if we go in and the call is very cold, you know, we're not really doing a lot of research, let's say beforehand, or we put so much pressure on ourselves to schedule a meeting it's not going to feel very good getting rejected and there's going to be a lot of pressure to make sure that call goes well. So what I wanted to talk to you about today, we have a really great guest who, uh, Art Sobchak, who was on the Think Outside the Script Summer Virtual Tour. This is the audio version of that webinar. He's going to talk about smart calling and smart calling is actually my favorite prospecting book. And before I dig into that, if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, my name's Jason Bay. I'm the host of Blissful Prospecting, and my goal with this show is to help you think outside the script with your prospecting and share proven tactics and strategies to help you land more meetings with your ideal client. So what Art talked about that I thought was really cool, and again, I've been a big fan of his approach and his book, is how to make smart calls instead of cold calls, how to conduct proper pre-call research, and really how to almost virtually eliminate rejection. The other thing that we do that was unexpected, and I put him on the spot here, and he, he killed it, is we actually did a live role play. So I put him on the spot, gave him some objections, and I wanted to hear how he actually approached this. And he killed it, of course. So make sure to tune in for that. Before we get to the actual interview here, if you would like to check out more of the speakers on the Think Outside the Script Summer Virtual Tour or the video version of this one, you can do that at tour.blissfulprospecting.com. It's linked up in the show notes too. So whatever you're using to listen to the podcast right now, it should be linked up right in there, tour.blissfulprospecting.com. Art was one of 42 speakers actually uh, that we had, and we're still going. So if you're listening to this prior to October 8th, we still have talks going. So make sure to check it out. It's live. It's free. We're talking everything prospecting. Um, and without further ado, let's get to Art's talk. But I'm super excited for this. Um, this is launching the Think Outside the Script tour. And the reason why we put this together is that there's a, a lot of reps and sales leaders like yourself that want to know how best to prospect right now. Because a lot's obviously been going on in the last 90 days if you're in sales. So I really wanted to put this together. And Art was one of the very first people actually I ran this idea by and asked him if he wanted to participate. And he was, he was down. He was even down to wear a tie-dye shirt and, and make his own tie-dye shirt, actually, which is pretty cool. So um, again, participation, really important. We want to reward you guys for participating. If you have questions, hit the Q&A, let us know, and we'll get your questions answered. So quick introduction for Art Sobchak. Uh, for the last 30 years or so, he's been helping salespeople say the right things to get through, get in, and sell, primarily using the phone. And his book, Smart Calling, uh, it's my favorite book on prospecting. 
And I actually have a, a funny story to share uh, with you guys about smart calling. But Art, it's great to have you on, man. Jason, thank you so much. I am thrilled and honored to be the the kickoff guy for this whole thing. And what a great job you've done to put this all together. And and you are going to be reshaping the way that people do summits. This is awesome, man. No, I'm excited to have you on board. And I guess we can get a quick story in about how we met. I actually sent you a cold email with a video in it to get on your podcast, which I don't know if you remember or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you, want, you want me to tell my perception of that? Sure, sure. So I, I get an email and I forget what the subject line was. Do you know what that was? I, ideas for your podcast or something like that? Yep. Yep. Ideas for and, your podcast. And, and first, a little backstory. When you run a podcast, you get pitched three to four times a week by agents who are trying to get their people on your podcast because I think they get like 200 bucks a, a pop every time they book somebody. And uh, so I'm thinking, okay, another one of these. And I open it up and uh, here's a graphic with a uh, picture of a video and uh, Jason's holding up a whiteboard and says, hi, Art. And then the body of the email was actually very value-oriented. He let me know that he has listened to my podcast, referenced a specific episode, and said that he had some ideas that might be of some value for people who are doing prospecting and, and sales. And then I watched the video, and it was very well done. Same thing. Comes across like he is right here, very natural, very warm. And, and I liked it. And I thought, wow, this is good. This has some potential. But like I do with most pitches that I receive, I like to see if the salesperson is going to take it to the next step, if they're going to follow up. And what did you do? What did you do then, Jason? So I figured, you know, just a little empathy here. I've had a podcast before, and I know that one of the biggest things is, well, if you take a guest on, you got to figure out what the heck you're going to talk about. You know, so if I can remove some of that work and send over some ideas, I thought that that would be helpful. So I sent over two or three just different topics and things like that, that we could talk about. And then you, I think a week elapsed. And then I think you sent me another nudge, maybe with a couple more ideas. I think I ignored that one. And then, and not, not because I wasn't interested, I was just busy. And then I think maybe a week or two later, you replied again with something else. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to reply to this guy. And, and I did. And fast forward, not only did he get on the podcast, which he did a great job on, I invited him to present to my inner circle coaching group where he talked about his reply method, which is awesome and, and really almost identical to, to smart calling. And then he also got in the book, in the third edition of the book. So, and, and now here we are. So uh, I guess cold prospecting doesn't work, does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, another funny thing too was, you know, after we connected, we we're joking about this beforehand, uh, you signed up for just my email list somewhere or another. And I sent out an email. It was an automated one that is in the nurture list that's best prospecting books. And you're like, dude, my book's not in there. Have you even read it? I was like, no, I haven't. And uh, you're like, I'm going to send it to you. What's your address? So you sent me a copy of the book and that's how I ended up reading it. And um, yeah. Not saying this to uh, to be a brown noser or anything. Your best prospecting book, in my opinion. Um, and let's let's kind of get into some of the things that I actually got from that book that I think would be good to start with here because I'm looking at the poll. And if you guys are just joining here, I see a lot of people popping in still. Uh, answer the question on the poll, what your biggest challenge is. And we want to sort of center the conversation around those challenges. But one of the big things that you talk about, I see here that is one of the top topics is 
you have some very strong opinions on the word gatekeeper. Yeah, it, it, not only gatekeeper, but so many terms that we use in sales are negative. And I think that part of that mm-hmm. contributes to the negative perception of sales, which is the greatest profession in the world. So, you know, the, the, the term rejection, which we'll talk about, um, and then getting past the screener and gatekeeper. So we go in with the attitude that this is going to be adversarial. I mean, how stupid is that? <laughs> and that's why I've changed the, the term to assistance. These people are not only the assistant to the decision maker, but they're also our assistants. They're helping us get through to the person we want to speak with. And we both really have the same objective, and that is to protect the decision maker's time. Because there are a lot of people out there who are just self-interested, and they just want to give their pitch. And those are the people that the assistants are paid to keep away from the boss. And decision makers couldn't possibly talk to everybody who wants to speak with them. I mean, they, I mean, think about how many messages we all receive every single day. And my philosophy, philosophy has always been, let's work with this person because they can be a tremendous source of information for us. Uh, one myth of the gatekeeper or screener is that they can't buy from you. So don't give them any information. Well, that's wrong on a couple fronts. One is, in some cases, they may be the decision maker for what you sell, and uh, they can make sure that you never speak with the decision maker. So we do need to sell them on the fact that we have something of value, but what we don't want to do is talk about our product or service, because that is what they can get rid of. If we're talking about a result, something that the boss wants, increased market share, increased store traffic, cutting down on costs in any area, we mention those things. Now they're thinking, oh yeah, well, that's what the boss does, right? Mm-hmm. Really interesting. I mean, we could take that down a bunch of different ways, but so this mentality of, I like this because it humanizes them and you don't think of like the gatekeeper as an actual gatekeeper, you're like, Hey, this is a person, they're an assistant, they have a job to do. And one of their jobs is not to turn salespeople down. It's to find out who the right people are to let through or not. Right. Um, so when we have this mentality and we've really humanized them, can you explain a little bit more about like what you've seen in, you know, in the, in the long time that you've been doing this in like, when it comes to the actual decision-making process, how involved is that assistant, especially for someone that had a big company that's in a C-level position? Well, I think the higher up you go, the more involved the ex- assistant is because you're not putting an entry-level person into, <laughs> into that position. And the, I mean, the fact is, is that assistants are much better at getting rid of salespeople than salespeople are at trying to go above, around, through, or over them. And it it still blows me away when I look at anything that is being written or taught on how to deal with an assistant when people suggest things like, well, just give them minimal amounts of information or, and be firm or answer their question yeah. with a question like, what's this in reference to? Well, it's in, it's in reference to uh, your, your, your market share. Please connect me. Or is he in? And, and I'm thinking the assistants are sitting there going, oh, using that technique. <laughs> what an a-hole this guy is, right? <laughs> think, think about what, what the assistant is saying to the boss when they put the call on hold of the decision maker 
or excuse me, the, the call from the prospector who's using some technique. Do they do they think that the assistant's going to the boss going, oh, I have a real clever guy here on line one, and he's really uh, being a hard guy with me and insisting that he speaks with you. I think I think that he should. No, no, they don't say that. <laughs> I've got some idiot on line one here. You want me to can him? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did a I did a video, probably one of the very first training programs I did which was probably before you were born. I think we did this in like the late 80s. And we did a video series called Getting Through to Buyers While the Others Are Screened Out. And it was all about the, the same techniques that I teach today. And one thing that we did, Jason, is that I, I made 50 random calls to companies and uh, got executive assistants on the phone. And I told them what I was doing. And I said, I've got a couple questions for you. And one question I asked was, how do you decide who gets put through? And what do you think the number one answer is? Actually, let's open that up to the comments. What do you think the number one answer was from assistance in regards to the question, how do you decide who gets put through? So we see honesty, confidence, being polite. Here's one, who's this? Brandon said, who I like the most. And that was, that was the number one answer, people that I like. So there's some rocket science for you. I mean, this is, I mean we're talking to humans, right? So, <laughs> I mean, get, get me going on this. And, and there, there are some techniques out there that are, are just laughable as it relates to getting to decision makers. I mean, if we had a couple hours, we could go through them and make yeah. fun of all of them. No, I, I love this, man. Because uh, the other thing that I'm hearing too is that it doesn't have to always be top down. It's not like you have to get a meeting with, yeah, everyone wants a meeting with a CEO or the chief financial officer or the chief marketing officer, but it sounds like a good approach also is to get an introduction to that person or gather some intelligence, as you like to call it. I want to get to one question here that Karina has that I think is really relevant here. She said, what about gatekeepers who are generally receptionists and do not want to connect you with the person you were looking to speak with? This is quite a common thing in Ireland and UK where receptionists are told not to pass on sales calls or give out any details? What are your thoughts on that? Art? Well, a couple of things. One is, and, and I'm not familiar with, with your culture, so I really can't speak towards that, but I'm going to give the same answer I would give to somebody over here. And one is what many of you mentioned, kindness and taking an interest in that person. So if this person's name was Pat, I would say, Pat, I understand you probably get tons of calls every day from people who, who want to speak with the boss, and most of them just probably want to pitch their stuff. We're a little bit different, and now I would give a version of my possible value proposition where I'm talking about value, and again, not product or service. And then I might ask her or him, what would you suggest would be the best way that I could ultimately speak with him or her so that we could have a conversation to, in order to determine if even if what I have would be of some value? And so now I'm setting myself apart from every other salesperson out there because, again, who are assistants told to get rid of? And just based on that question, it's right, salespeople. Salespeople. Right? <laughs> so if I'm separating myself, now I'm, I'm different. And I want to relate to you at the human level. 
and uh, treat them with respect, as somebody just mentioned in, in the chat here. And then if that still doesn't work, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to do some social engineering throughout the organization and maybe try another approach. I'll, I'll talk to anybody and, again, identify myself, my organization, and tell them, hey, I'm probably in the wrong place here, but I'm hoping you can help me. I'm hoping to speak with Pat, your VP of sales, and um, I'm wondering if you have a, a direct number that I might be able to use. And I'll, I'll credit Steve Richard here. Steve with Exec Vision is big on getting direct numbers. He's got a lot, a lot of different techniques to do that. And then let's, I mean, if we're still coming up empty and you really want to speak with this person, use a multimedia approach, all the other, you know, omni-channel approach, right? Uh, LinkedIn messaging, handwritten note, FedEx. <laughs> and again, depending on the size of the account that you're going after, there, there's a lot of different ways to capture the attention of that person. Matter of fact, our, our buddy Stu Heineck has written a couple books on contact marketing, which I'm a believer in. And in, in some cases, you, you again, depending on what you want to sell, if you're, if you're selling something a little bit more transactional, you're probably not going to invest as much time or energy or money in something like this. But if you have a finite number of uh, huge accounts that you're going after, you, you may want to make an investment because that account could mean tons of money to you. So it might be worth a, a $10 investment, $20 investment. And, and Stu has tons of suggestions as to, and, and what contact marketing is, is sending something physical in order to get your foot in the door. Dude, just a wealth of <laughs> like really solid tactics there uh, in terms of like exactly what to say. And, and what I got from this, correct me if I'm wrong, is that there's some empathy in the sense that you're talking to that person's experience and what it's probably like most of the time when they get called by salespeople. You're very non-assumptive too. You're not coming in and saying, I know that I can help your boss and like, I need you to connect me with him, right? It's very non-assumptive and very simple thing. You ask for help. Yeah. Help is one of the most beneficial words, strongest words in, in our language. And I, I, again, been suggesting that for years. I hope you can help me. And by nature, if, if you look at the job of, I mean, I, I think the question was the, the receptionist or switchboard operator, mm -hmm. their job mostly is to help callers who are calling into the organization. You know, ironically, it's not to help salespeople, uh, but then we have to position ourselves as being different than the typical salesperson, which we should do all the time anyway. Yeah. Uh, any quick thoughts on tonality in terms of, you know, I, I, I believe tonality is really driven by your mindset. And if your mindset is, I want to know like how I can be helpful to these people and like how I could not waste someone's time. If I get that kind of naturally takes care of the tonality because it's like, Hey, art, you know, is that something you might be able to help with versus uh, art? Uh, I need you to put me through, to, you know, it's like, it sort of takes care of the tonality, but any quick thoughts on tonality? Cause that was what some people were asking about too. Well, you need to be confidently polite and genuine. And I mean, we, we could talk all day about mindset. And I believe the, the first thing that any salesperson needs to work on is, is their mindset and their belief in what they're selling. And when, when I do workshops, I always ask the, the group, who here believes that you should be charging more for what you sell? And if every hand doesn't go up, I say, well, we have a problem here. Because if you're not totally sold that the value you're delivering is much higher than your price, 
how are you going to communicate that to someone? So, so we need to have that. We need to have that mindset that I am delivering such great value. I mean, I'm, I'm changing lives here. And when, when you have that, then that's going to come across in your demeanor and, and your tone. But never should it be cockiness and being assumptive and you know, being rude. I mean, we, we all know what that sounds like, right? Well, ju just put me through or being dismissive of that person. But by the same token, I like to go in with weasel words at the beginning of, of an opening statement, as well as working with an assistant. Weasel words are things like might, maybe, perhaps. Yeah, what we do might be of some value to Ms. Big. And really, in order to determine that, I'll need to ask her a few questions about how she's now handling this. We've been able to work with other organizations who are in your space, helping them too, and now hinting at the value. And in order for us to determine if we might be a fit and if it'd be worth further conversation, I'd like to ask her a few questions. So that's really the purpose for the call. Oh, I love that too. Another like really good gems from a prospecting standpoint with the language, those, those weasel words are, <laughs> I, lo I love that. Uh, Karina, I hope that answered your question and helped you out. Um, we're going to give you a free copy, an autographed copy of Art's book, actually. Um, I forgot to do this at the beginning, <laughs> but Art's got an autographed copy of the book he's going to give you and a shirt. Is the shirt going to be tie-dyed, Art, or is it just uh, going to be a regular shirt? It's not going to be tie-dyed. <laughs> okay. probably have to charge you $2,000 for that because that's how much time it took me to, to do this, actually. You know, YouTube's pretty cool. My daughter is uh, big on tie-dye, but she lives in Iowa. I live in Arizona. And she said she'd do it. I go, nah, it doesn't look that tough. And it, actually, it wasn't that tough. So, But I'll send yeah. you a, uh, a one that is not tie-dyed, and then you can do it. And if, if you do, Karina, go ahead and uh, send me a picture of that. So, uh, Karina, I direct messaged you, uh, Art's email address. Just go ahead and send him an email. And uh, with your mailing address, he'll get that stuff over to you. Um, so, one other question that we had around this was um, someone mentioned something about, oh, I'm having trouble finding it because so many people are answering questions here, are submitting questions. It was something around being like how to talk to an assistant without being creepy. And I think that we answered this. It's just like, just be a human being, um, ask them for help. Any, any thoughts on that? Because some people, it sounds like they kind of feel dirty um, talking to the person. They have to kind of hide like what they're doing and who they are. Hmm. Well, I, I'm not sure how to answer that because that is just a, a, a false story that you're telling yourself. Because again, if you have something of, of value and you're calling this organization for a reason because you feel that they could possibly benefit, the, <laughs> you're actually doing them a disservice by not trying to reach them. Because think about it, if, if we let any fear that we have which again, fear is always a false story we're telling ourselves. If we let any fear of calling or speaking with an assistant hinder us from making that call, we have, we have placed that fear above the, uh, the possibility that we're going to be able to, to help them and perhaps uh, their organization or, and maybe even change lives. So we need to do a mindset shift here. And again, you are not that salesperson who is just smiling and dialing, trying to go above, around, through, over, under screeners because they think that's what they're supposed to do. 
we're just treating people with respect. And I think when you go with that mindset, you go in with that tone, you treat them like a human, almost as if, well, yeah, I mean, I have something great here. And uh, in order to determine that, what, what I need to do is, is to ask him or her a few questions. And then here's what you can do. You can go into social engine, in engineering mode with that assistant and say, matter of fact, you probably work closely with her, don't you? Great. So there's probably some information you could even help me with first to determine if it would be worth it for me to speak with her. And now I'm going to start asking some substantive questions. And what they're going to realize by you doing that is a couple things. One is you are different from, from everybody else. You also have the boss's best interest in mind. And once you start getting into the questions, if you go over their head with some of the questions, they might think, well, you probably need to speak with her about that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love that. Um, cool. Hopefully this is helpful, you guys, On because uh, we spent quite a bit of time. That's what it sounded like what a lot of people were having issues with was the assistance and how to work with them. Um, let's transition into an, another topic here that people are asking about. And it's, I don't know if it's a combination of objection handling or ghosting is is part of it too that people are talking. Maybe those are two separate topics, but let's let's approach... Uh, objection handling. How should we be thinking about objections? Where are you thinking about this in your approach when you're calling a prospect? Well, when you get an objection, you should always, of course, say, I understand how you feel. Many others have felt the same way, but after they found how great we were, they decided to buy from us. So let's go ahead and move forward, okay? <laughs> feel felt found. That doesn't work anymore. <laughs> uh, so let, let me ask you a question, Jason. If, if somebody tells you that you're wrong, and the way I think is the way that you should think because I'm right, you're going to change your mind, aren't you? <laughs> oh, man, that's going to make me, the entrepreneur in me, man, is going to run the other way. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing with most objection handling training or objection rebuttal training. What they do is they tell somebody they're wrong. And this is the way you should think because... I mean, that's what a rebuttal is. It's you, you have a belief. Here's my rebuttal to your belief. So change your mind. Okay. No, it's stupid. So here's the thing. Most objections that you hear are not the problem itself. They're the symptom of the problem. So for example, if somebody said your price is too high, what are all the possible reasons somebody could have for saying that? Well, Let's list a few. Maybe they think they can get it cheaper online. They heard what somebody else has paid for it. They don't see enough value yet in what you have. And maybe it's not even uh, a concern. It's an attempt to get you off the phone. So those were just three possible reasons for somebody saying your price is too high. And there may be 10 others. And if, if what we do is if somebody says your price is too high, I come back with my reason why. I think my price isn't too high. What I'm doing is I'm treating the symptom with my possible cure. Like, it's like somebody going into the doctor's office going, doc, man, I got, I got a splitting headache. Splitting headache, really? Tell you what, come back Monday. We're going to set you up for brain surgery. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be one, one answer for a splitting headache, but it's probably not the right one. Okay, so where am I going with this? In order to deal with objections effectively, the first thing we need to do is understand why did somebody just say what they did? 
And until we understand the why, we're not going to be able to address the, the concern, the, the real concern. So I go through an entire process when, when, when I do training, and we do this exercise called the objection autopsy. And, and I'll just summarize it here for you. I mean, everybody could do it. It's actually pretty simple. First thing is you identify what are the common objections that we run into? And depending on who you talk to, some trainers say, well, there's only four or five real objections you run into. Well, I don't know. Depends on your business. Okay, so we'll take one uh, and let's use the prices too high. So then next step, we list out, we brainstorm. And this is good to do it in, in a small group. What are all the possible reasons somebody might have for stating that objection? And in that one, I came up with four possible reasons. Okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to come up with the first big, broad, general question we're going to ask in order to try to understand why they said what they did. And then after that, and most people don't take this this far, but the people who do, they're totally prepared when they get objections. So what we're going to do after that is we're going to think about what are the possible answers people might have for your question. So if somebody says your price is too high, uh, I'll my, my first thing to say is a, a softening statement, which is as simple as, oh, I see. Um, hey, not a problem, or that's okay. <laughs> and that's just kind of diffusing the tension a little bit. Somebody, yeah. I saw, I, I didn't read the whole question, but they mentioned a pattern interrupt. And, and that is kind of a pattern interrupt because people are expecting you to come back with, you know, both both guns blaring, right? Instead, it's like, hey, not a problem. And then I'm going to ask a big, broad, general question. I'm, I'm just kind of curious. What, why do you say that? I mean, there's some yeah. rocket science for you. Why do you say that? Or when you say our price is too high, how, how did you reach that conclusion? Or too high compared to, to what? Now, tone Tone has everything to do with this as well, because you don't want to be adversarial. And yeah. then I want to find out what, what is that reason? And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to drill deeper for each one of those. And then when you do the exercise for each question, what I'm trying to do is to blow a hole in their reasoning and get them to doubt their belief. Because see, you're never going to change somebody's mind by talking at them. Like I said before, change your mind because I'm right, you're wrong. That's not going to happen. The only way you're going to even begin thinking about changing your mind is if you start doubting your belief. And doubting our belief would be something like, well, yeah, maybe when you put it that way, or maybe I'm not comparing apples to oranges here. And now when I get them in that frame of mind, ultimately at the very end, I'm going to be in a much better position to maybe make a few benefit-oriented points that may cause you to say, okay, well, yeah, I guess we can consider that. Or all things considered, I guess the price really isn't too high compared to what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. And that's much different than objection rebuttals. Oh, I love this. So what I'm hearing there, and this is actually somewhat similar to the process we teach with objections, especially when you're prospecting, it sounds like one of the steps is some sort of validation of like, hey, it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to say that, <laughs> like not a big deal kind of thing. And then there's also this understand is what you said, like, hey, like be, it's that curiosity, again, seems to be a big part of this approach, like be genuinely curious about why they would say something like that. Um, in the chat, by the way, why don't you guys like, what are the common objections that you guys are hearing when you make calls? You know, why don't you throw that into the chat and we can work through some of them, but our, 
what do you, oh, it looks like you're about to say something actually. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. When I also, when we work on objections in training is I actually preface all my training with, you know, a lot of people, are, you know, you want to talk about objections and I get these objections all the time. Here's the very best way to deal with objections. Prevent them from coming up in the first place because mm-hmm. salespeople create more objections than were ever there by not having a good process to begin with. They're not asking enough questions. Therefore, they're giving a pitch or making a recommendation for something that's not on target. Here's an objection you should never hear. We don't need that. Now, why would somebody say we don't need that? Because you pitched something they didn't need. <laughs> for, for me, when I'm ever I'm in a sales conversation, I've got this huge fear or paranoia about talking about something that they're not interested in. Because after I, I do my discovery, I'm asking questions, then I go into recommendation mode. And if I'm going to be presenting four or five bullet points, if I reach one where I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I didn't even ask about this yet, I'll back up. And I'll say, you know, one other thing I forgot to ask you about is, what are you doing in this area? Or how are you handling this issue? Because I don't want to pitch something. I I, I never want to pitch anything, by the way, except if it's a a baseball. And if, if I'm presenting something that's not on target, normally that's my fault because I didn't, I didn't ask about it first. So again, folks, I know you've run into, if it's a real objection, something broke down in your process up to that point to get that objection. Got it. Let's go through a couple of the maybe more common ones it looks like people are dealing with. So if you're calling someone and, hey, Jason Bay with Blissful Prospecting here and the person's immediately like, hey, you know, I don't have time. What, what, do, we, what do we do then? So that is not an objection. That's a resistant reflex response Mm, or it could be that maybe their hair is on fire and something's going on in their office, but then that begs the question, why did they answer the phone? Okay. So the, the, the logical answer to that might be maybe they thought you were someone else, but they have caller ID. That's probably BS too. So let's, let's treat it as if it's a resistant reflex response. Now, what does that mean? It's a reflexive response when somebody feels like, oh, it's a salesperson who's cold calling me. Okay. So they'll say something. The first thing that comes to mind is like, hey, we're all good. We're not interested. And then at that point, we have to understand that this, this is not our highest percentage play. But if we just say, oh, okay, now we've ended, we, we have no chance of ever speaking. <laughs> yeah. Right. So what I suggest at this point, again, is this, is this thing called a, a pattern interrupt, which is we're going to say something that they're, they're not really expecting to hear. And we're going to get their mind off of their reflex response. All I want to do at this point is get them talking. Okay. So in, in a sense, it's really ignoring their, their response. So you, you give your opening. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that you had a good opening, right? So let's say we did, we did a, a smart call opening. I have a possible value proposition. And then they say, hey, I'm, I, I, I'm busy. I, I don't have the time right now. Okay. Hey, not a problem. When could we carve out just a couple seconds for a couple questions to determine if it'd be worthwhile to have a conversation? And now I'm, I'm, I'm asking you a question. I'm getting you talking. I'm looking for something that's, that's more substantive. Okay. And again, this is not a high percentage play, but 
I find that if, if I work more on the front end, having a good targeted value, I'm going to make it real difficult for somebody to come up with that re reflexive res reflex response because now it's something that is of potential interest to you. And, and again, I, I know we get these questions, but I, I, I find that so much effort is placed on what do I do when things go wrong as opposed to let's prevent things from going wrong by doing everything that we can to get the response that we're looking for. And really at the beginning of a call, I maintain that we've got two objectives for our first 10 to 15 seconds. Number one, put somebody in a positive, receptive state of mind because nobody is expecting your call unless you you have a phone appointment, right? So if they pick up the phone, they don't instantly recognize you, your voice, your company name. The natural reaction is to start drifting into neutral or even negative or defensive frame of mind. So I want to stop that trend as soon as possible. And then my only other objective for my first 10, 15 seconds is to get them talking. And I do that by asking a question, engage them, and get them talking from that positive, receptive state of mind. And again, if I had a great opening with all the components of the, the smart call opening, I'm going to get them curious. I'm going to be hinting at value. I'm not going to be talking about product or service because they can resist that. And I'm going to get them thinking, huh, leaning in, I wonder what that is. I wonder how they do that. So what I really want to hear at the end of my opening is, yeah, sure. What do you want to know? Got it. Okay. So essentially with a lot of these objections, what you're saying is that, you know, if you're filling your intro of your call with product and service feature benefit kind of talk, of course, they're not going to be interested in hearing because they have no context into what that is. And you're probably not talking really in a language that they understand. Um, so it might be good to kind of backtrack because I kind of got ahead of ourselves here. It might be good to backtrack what does an intro, what are the components of that intro, if you could elaborate on that again, and what, what's an example of what that might sound like? Well, there's several steps that we need to take before we even pick up the phone. And that's the problem with, with a lot of prospectors. And I'll get this question all the time. What's that one voicemail is going to get my uh, get responses? Mm -hmm. Or what, what's that one opening is going to create interest with everybody? It's like, you know, if you find that one out, let me know because I could probably make a lot of money on it and you know, we could partner on it. But, but the thing is, is that there is a process that, that we want to go through. And in a nutshell, what it is for anybody is identifying what, what is my possible value? What is it that, what are the reasons why people will, will buy what I sell? Okay. And again, it's not the product or service itself. It's, it's not the thing. Don't talk about your thing. Talk about results. So I want to define the results. Now, what we also need to define is who are the people that I'm communicating with? Who am I selling to? And if you have multi-layers of decision makers that you're selling to, not everybody is going to be buying for the same reason. So I've got to understand what the, what the VP of sales is looking for. I've got to understand what the frontline supervisor is, is looking for. I've got to understand the what, what the sales reps are, are looking for because they're going to probably influence the decision to buy what I sell. And then what I'm doing is figuring out what, what, are, the, what are the forms of possible value for, for each of those. Then 
what I want to do is I want to go into research mode. This would be more right prior to the call. And this is what makes calls smart. Smart calling is simply knowing something about the individuals, the companies, and the situations that we're calling into. There's absolutely no reason today to just place a generic cold pitch to somebody where you're just talking about your stuff. People today are inundated with probably thousands of messages every day, and therefore we all have become professional ignorers. We have to. We have to ignore most of the messages we receive. Which ones are we going to reply to? The ones that are most relevant to us personally. And the ones that resonate where we, we see it and go, hmm, this is for me. This person knows something about me. This is for me. That's how I'm going to make a decision to, to listen, respond, uh, take notice, and, and, and so on. So I'm going to do my research. And again, we could spend hours just talking about all the various places that, that we can get information. It's easier today than ever. I always get the question, what's different today than from 10, 15, 20 years ago? And mostly the human brain has not changed, but what has changed is our ability to get information, get great information, and get it quickly. So we can do that fairly quickly. And, and I don't believe that uh, you, you can't place a, a, a good number of quality calls because quality and quantity are not mutually exclusive. Plus, by the way, how many attempts does it take on average to, to, to reach somebody? I mean, that number is all over the board, but the fact is you do most of the research once, you put it in your notes, and then you remind yourself of it prior to the call. So you know, not taking time to do research to me is just ridiculous. And then we want to do the best form of research. You had touched on it earlier, which is getting information in real time from people other than the decision maker. This could be the assistant. It could be a Joe in the shop. It could be somebody in the department. It could be, uh, could be a VP. Anybody that could give me some information that is going to help me make my possible value proposition more relevant for the person that ultimately I'm going to be speaking with. Okay. And then with all of that, I am going to plug that in what I have decided I'm going to use into my interest creating opening statement. And I think you wanted to know what that looks like, right? Well, the other people are asking what it might sound like in a role play too. Are you down to just role play? Maybe if you were calling and selling your training services and I'm like a director of sales or something, you want to do it like that style? Yeah, absolutely. Let's so do let, it. let me tell you, let me tell you what I found out. <laughs> okay. And and the process that, that I've gone through. So perhaps there was some kind of trigger event that caused me to say, Jason's company looks like a good fit. So maybe what I, how about this? Uh, let, let's say I got a prospecting call from one of your sales reps. And mm, that's a good one. It, it wasn't very good. <laughs> and I did some social engineering right there on the phone with the sales rep. And, and, and by the way, I've done this. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I know that this works. This is, this is real world. So I'll ask questions like, so, so tell me, you guys obviously are calling for new business. What does that look like at your company? And I mean, I get all kinds of answers. Well, we've got a quota. We got to bring in so many new logos. We, we've got to, and, and then I'll ask them things like, okay, well, what, what kind of training? do you receive? Is it good? What are your biggest challenges? Um, what, what happens when you don't hit quota? What's morale like? 
And, you know, here's the thing. Salespeople love to talk <laughs> and I, I get some great information. Then what I'll do is I'll ask about the, the decision maker. So, so tell me about him or her. And then I may do some other social engineering. I'll talk to the assistant. And certainly I'm going to do some research on the decision maker. I'm going to go to their LinkedIn profile. I'm going to see if they have a Facebook page. I'm going to uh, see if they have a Twitter account. I'm going to see what, what they've written. And by the way, I've, I've got kind of a, a, a cheat on this. I've partnered with Sam Richter. Some of you may be familiar with Sam. And uh, Sam's put together this search engine that is unbelievable. It can cut your, cut your search time down to from, from 10 to 15 minutes on something to, to, to a minute or two. And uh, a little plug here for that. It's called smartcallingintel.com, smartcallingintel.com. So then what I'm going to do is I'm going to put together a, an interest creating opening based on what I know about you and um, engage you in a conversation. So can, can we pause here? Just, it? yeah, yeah. Let's pause here. This strategy is so gold. You guys like being able to work with someone, even if it's an entry level person or like someone that's a manager level and being able to actually talk with them. Most of these people are super receptive to conversations and what Art is saying here that's so cool is you're getting all of these insights that you never would. Like you're not going to find out what you, their prospecting strategy is by doing research on their LinkedIn page. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not going to find out what their priorities are. So um, I just want to reiterate, this is great research because you're about to bring this into a call with a decision maker and you're going to really surprise this person with like a lot of really great stuff. But yeah, let's do a live role play, man. And actually, something else that that I do, and not not everybody may have this advantage, but again, if 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 this is a a good sized company, and it would have to be for me in in order to to do a prospecting call with them, I would have sent you something in advance to to pique your curiosity. So I, I would have sent you a copy of Smart Calling and, and signed it over to you and said. Uh, Jason, I understand that you are the, the head of business development there, VP of sales. Uh, here is a book for you that deals specifically with that. It's helped hundreds of thousands of sales reps worldwide. I'll be giving you a quick call on a Friday morning. And I would send that to you in advance. Whether or not you got it or read it, I don't care. But I'm going to use it as a tool here in a second. Okay? Cool. All right. So, do you answer the phone? Uh, yeah, this is Jason. Hey, Jason. Art Subcheck here, president of Business by Phone. Hope you're having a great day. Hey, I'm the guy that sent you the book the other day. I understand that you're the VP of Business Development. I was speaking with one of your sales reps who had actually cold called me, and uh, he told me about the initiative that you have going this year, the huge one for, for new business. And uh, what we do is specialize in working with new business development reps and helping them take the fear and rejection away from cold calling and help them be more confident and, and get better results, quite frankly. I understand that uh, some of your reps told me they, they weren't where they wanted to be. And the purpose for my call is to ask you a couple questions, see if it might be worthwhile for us to have a conversation. Oh, interesting. Who did you talk to? That's uh, yeah, we're definitely it's yeah, you hit it on the on the spot here. We're definitely making a big push right now. 
Yeah, I talked to um, to Mike Smith, one of your sales mm. reps. He, um, yeah, he, I mean, he was trying hard, but but he was struggling a little bit and was definitely using some some techniques where I could see that it's going to get him more resistance than than interest. So, so is, is now a good time? Well, you know, it's just you know we've you brought in trainers in the past, and uh, right now, you know, with everything going on, we, I don't know, I don't think we have a budget, you know, for this. So I, I appreciate you reaching out, though, man. Yeah, not a problem. So tell me about the, the the training that you've done in the past. Yeah, we've done a lot of training uh, specifically around, you know, picking up the phone and it's, you know, it's something that's, you know, it's definitely become harder you know, to engage prospects and stuff. But yeah, do you want to maybe just go ahead and send me an email and, you know, let me know like what, what you got going on? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. So tell me a little bit more about your your initiative here. You you said that it's something that's really important to you right mm-hmm. now. What uh, is there a certain number that you need to reach? Uh, yeah, definitely. We definitely we just need to get back to where we were prior to uh, you know the pandemic and stuff, right? There's uh, some some targets that we need to get back to in order to keep our staff and and keep from laying people off. So tell me a little bit more about that. What have what have you experienced with the pandemic? Well, just really, it's been incredibly hard in half of our industry verticals just to get a hold of people. So, but yeah, I just, you know, I don't, I don't know, like we want to bring someone in and, and get help and stuff. It's just a, I don't I just don't know how I could get something like that passed right now. So I'm hearing two things from you. One is you, you definitely need to get back where you were. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, what, what's going to happen then? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're gonna have to lay people off. That's that's kind of where we're at if we don't get back to those numbers. Okay, and so if you're going to lay people off, I mean, obviously you are not <laughs> you're you're not bringing in revenue, which is going to be important for you. Yeah. Um. So give give me some feel for where you were before, and what do you feel it's going to take to get there? Yeah, I mean, we were before. You know, our average rep was you know setting seven to 10 appointments a week, you know, with where we're at before we were really humming along. And now we're, I mean, we're lucky to get a couple with most of, most of the troops right now. There's a couple people still doing well, but I would say on average, we're about half of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, really in the next 90 days, if we could get half of what we had back, that would, that's what I'm focused on right now. So it's funny that so-and-so, you know, gave you a call. (laughs) So, (laughs) So can can we attach numbers to this? I mean, if 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 you just get back to where you were, what what that what is that going to mean yeah. for you in terms of revenue and 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 gross profit for the organization? Oh, I mean, that's gonna we're gonna be right on track to, you know, for our original goals, you know, that we had at the at the beginning of the year. So and uh, and we can grow, you know, because we want to grow the sales team. We have about you know a couple dozen people right now. We want to. Our plan was to add another you know half dozen or so reps by the end of the year. Okay. So you say you want to bring somebody in. So you, so you feel that that training could help you get closer to to that number? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely know that that could help, and and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could definitely help. Like I said, it's probably more of a budget, you know, thing right now. But yeah. So Jason, you're a sales guy, right? Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what 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 you're telling me is is that. If you if you get there, it's going to mean a lot in terms of, of revenue and profits for the company. And if you don't, it's going to it's going to have a huge negative implication. So yeah. really, you're just looking at selling an investment to whoever would need to approve that. And who would that be, by the way? Let's go ahead and pause there. Um, 
dude, <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, if can, can we unpack what you did there? Because, you know, I was, you know, I trying to give you a hard time here, <laughs> you know, and just common stuff that people say, and uh, you really turn that around pretty well. Um, and we're able to like actually engage me. Can you just kind of break down like what you did? Cause it looks like I'm just looking at the chat. People are kind of curious about how you did that. Cause it was like, Oh, I don't want to talk no time, uh, no budget kind of thing. And then now I'm talking about all my problems. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, part of it was that, I mean, I, I knew you had the problem, right. And I, I knew that your sales reps weren't that good uh, from what I had heard. And I mean, going in with that, that gives me a little bit of an, an advantage, right? But then also part of it is the process itself. So I, I had a good interest creating opening and I got you to say some things that I played off of. So if you noticed, I wasn't trying to, to give you a rebuttal. And if we went back and replayed that, I'm not even sure everything I said, but mostly I'm listening to what you said and then drilling a little bit deeper and getting you to expose that, well, I really do have the problem. And uh, yeah, I guess I could talk about it because I think you went into that like a lot of people do. I'm busy. I don't want to talk to a salesperson. But then once I got you talking about what was of interest to you, now all of a sudden your mind's not on, I'm talking to a salesperson. It's, yeah, we really need to do something here to hit our numbers. And what I was trying to get you to do, and I could have done probably a little bit better job, is getting you to quantify the problem, attach real, real dollars to it. Um, this is what it's, what it's costing us. If, if we do reach that, you said, we're going to be back to where we were before. I should have gotten you to, again, attach the number to that. And of course, I didn't even start going into what I could do for you yet. I'm just trying mm -hmm. to get you to open up to the fact that, yeah, we could do something. And then we would get into a longer conversation or set up a, a, a different conversation. But really, my goal anytime I'm, I'm in a conversation with any type of prospect is I want to get you talking. I'm going to listen pretty carefully to uh, these emo emotional trigger type words such as we need to do this. What we're having a problem with is this. If we could do this, this is what it's going to mean for us. And the more I get you talking about that, now you're in a much better frame of mind to be open to my recommendation. And we didn't even get to the recommendation phase yet because notice I didn't, I didn't tell you how mm -hmm. I was going to help you fix the problem because we really hadn't even identified the problem yet. We just needed to get over the fact that I don't have any money. And I wanted you to be thinking in terms of, well, yeah, I guess we could find the money if it's going to mean that we're going to be able to hit our numbers because then that's yeah. just a matter of moving something around. So a lot of people are commenting here and some people are like, well, hey, you know, I don't know if I would be able to get that enough, enough time with a prospect like that to ask those questions or, hey, if I tried this, a prospect might hang up on me. And hey, that's going to happen some of the time. Like that's going to happen. Maybe one out of every hundred calls you make, someone's not going to want to talk to you, <laughs> right? But yeah. I think the point here that Art is really showing is that if you actually come in with some really good intel, and I guarantee you, because I've cold called lots of VPs of marketing and VPs of sales. If you say, I was talking to your rep so-and-so, and this works if you don't talk to sales and marketing people too. I was talking to someone on your team so-and-so. Here's what I learned in that conversation. Dude, you're going, they're going to give you a shot at the beginning. They just are. Um, another thing that I want to point out real quick is that, oh, and this is something you just said so elegantly just now that I'm just so get so fired up about is you didn't talk about your product or a service as a way to rebuttal the objection. 
It was, let me explore the problem. This person's actually telling me they have a problem. Let me learn a little bit more about what that problem is. They've volunteered some information. What else can I get out of them? You know, and really focus on that. And people love talking about their problems. I think where you get into trouble and people hang up on you is if you're like, oh, well, you don't have budget. You know, we're actually the most cost-effective solution and we can find something. You know, it's like, no, no one wants to talk about that. So just, just a couple comments there to address what some of the people were saying. But most of the people are like, oh, that's, this is interesting. And there will be a recording of this, by the way, that you guys can check out. But any other thoughts on that? we got a couple more minutes here. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, well, that I mean, that was fun. I mean, obviously, we, we hadn't even talked about that. Yeah. We didn't even rehearse it. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would have been better prepared had that been a, a real call with with more questions that would have been more specific to to your organization. Because the thing is, you, you really shouldn't wing anything. And I, I know I kind of made that smooth in places. But that was a result of a lot of the, my questioning strategy and, and techniques. And we can't script out an entire business-to-business call. We can always script out our voicemail and our opening statement, which we should. But then after that, we're going with the flow. But the thing is, you can be prepared with the questions you ask. And similar to that objection exercise that uh, I had mentioned earlier, we do the similar thing for the questions that we're normally going to be asking on our initial calls and, and our discovery calls. But we don't just create the questions. We think about, okay, how might somebody answer these questions? And then what might re- my next response be to that? And then after that, where am I going to go next? And that's the real key to being smooth on our calls. Don't you love it when you get off a call and you go, man, I was good. That was good. Yeah, <laughs> I was smooth. And why were you smooth? Because you had been there before. Either you role played it in your mind or with somebody else, or you experienced it. And preparation and doing exercises and, and role playing, that's simulating the experience. And that's that's how we learn. And another way we learn is when we go back and kind of what we're doing here is when you when you break down your call and say, what did I like and what would I have done differently? And that was the first place I went when I when we got off of that. I'm thinking, okay, well, I could have done this, 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 and this. I love it. One just rapid fire thing that I think we got to answer because so many people upvoted it is uh, how do you handle ghosting? So the prospect wants to learn more, but they're ghosting. Can you just walk us through maybe like when you set an appointment at the end of the call, is there any particular way that you do that to just make sure the person shows up to the next meeting or any confirmation insights or anything like that that you can share? Well, here's the thing. Like, like most things, I like to understand why does it happen? And Mm -hmm. if it is very common with somebody. I'd really have to sit down and listen to their calls and probably find out it's a result of what they're saying or not saying on the call that set up the appointment. Because if you have a good solid call, they are interested. They've given you a commitment, commitment that they're going to do something between now and the next call, which we should always get. And then we have a solid commitment for the next call. I mean, it's, I mean, common sense tells you that you're probably going to minimize the ghosting at the other end. Why does somebody decide all of a sudden that they don't want to speak with you anymore? Because they're probably, they probably weren't interested in the first place and they just set the appointment to get you off the phone. And I mean, that's a fact. And I've seen that so many times with salespeople. So to, to minimize it from happening, number one, make sure you have a good previous call. The success of your follow-up call, or even if it ever happens, is always dependent 
on the previous call, on the first call. So I want to make sure that we know why a follow-up call is necessary, what's going to be discussed, what's going to happen between now and the next call. I want to get a commitment from you. So Jason, just to be clear, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be speaking with your sales reps and you're going to ask them which areas they're having their biggest challenge in and what they'd like to see covered in training. Is that right? Yes. Great. By what day will you have that all done? By when do you think you'll you'll have that completed? Well, we're talking on Friday, so I'll just I probably do it later today, real quick. Okay, so you'll do that today. Great. Yeah. So so Friday will be a good time for us to speak. Then is that right? Yep. Okay, great. So then I would go through the process. We'd set the specific time. All right. What I will do before then is that I will send you a uh, list of bullet points of things that we've covered with similar organizations based on what you told me that you're interested in. Okay. And I'm going to put that in in an email to you right when we get off this call along with the the meeting invite. So uh, I will call you again at nine o'clock Friday morning. And oh, if anything happens between now and then where you couldn't make it, will you let me know? Dude, perfect. I love it. Alex Delgado. Great question. We answered it for you. You've been a super trooper, no pun intended, with the movie. Um, just promoting and being active on LinkedIn. Um, let's go ahead and get him a, a copy of the book as well. So Alex, I'll send you a message with uh, how you can contact Art to get a free copy of the book and a t-shirt. Um, just want to be mindful of your time, Art, here and other people's time here. Uh, today's a special day. The third edition of Smart Calling went live today. Can you tell us more about the book, like where we can find it and what you want people to go check out? Absolutely. So third edition of uh, Smart Calling, first edition came out 10 years ago. Uh, second edition, three years after. Third edition is officially launched today. What's new with this is not the process itself. The process works. Hundreds of thousands of sales pros worldwide are doing it. I gave you an example of it. This goes into detail, step by step by step. Jason can vouch for that because it's now his new favorite prospecting book. <laughs> I'm big on the how-to the how-to, the what to say, in what order to do it. I'm a pretty simple guy. A lot of people will tell you, you should create interest. You should ask good questions. And I'm going, okay, how? What do I say? That's what we cover here in the book. We take you step-by-step. Step. It's very, very conversational. And uh, also in this book, I had so many examples from sales pros like you. And some of you are out there, uh, Jay, I see in the audience who is also in the book. Jay's been a longtime follower, a member of my inner circle. He's in the book with a success story. And we've got tons of those because let's face it, as sales reps, we want to know what are other people doing? What are they saying to get success? So I packed tons of those in there and I had so much stuff I wanted to put in the book, but the publisher wouldn't let me have like a 2000 page book. I've created a few, a free online companion resource where I would charge a couple hundred bucks for this. And as soon as you get the book, go back to the site, which is smart-calling.com, smart-calling.com. Dot com and you will be able to immediately access the the online companion resource which has audios videos text matter of fact it has the uh, video that Jason sent me to get on my uh -oh. podcast so, <laughs> so that's in the in the companion course as well so again smart-calling.com and uh, also, once you get the companion course, I'm going to make an offer to people because I, I, if you have the book physically, I won't be able to sign it unless you were here in, in Scottsdale. But I'll, uh, what I will do is I will send you a little sticker to go inside the uh, front cover and personalize it with your name on it. So you'll get an email on that probably within a, a week or two as well. And if you get the Kindle version, 
Uh, I won't give you a sticker. I'll give you a card that has the book cover on it and personalize it for you. Not that that would be a value for you, but some people might want it. Right. Awesome. And I'm going to throw this into chat real quick, smart-calling.com, because people are asking, where should we buy the book? Uh, Thomas already picked it up on Kindle. Awesome, Thomas. Um, thanks, Art, for coming on. This was super awesome. I'm going to leave the chat open just for another minute or so, because people are asking questions on where they can find it, but getting a lot of positive response. And I appreciate you coming on. And I hope everyone goes out and checks out the book. Jason, this was awesome. Thank you so much for, for having me on. We had so much fun here. And everybody else, I can't wait to watch all of the following sessions because, I mean, you got some, I mean, you don't have like just the typical people like me who've been teaching this for a living. You've got other people like you who are also doing it in the trenches every single day. And that is just going to kick butt. So uh, kudos to you, man, for putting this on. And uh, I look forward to, to the rest of the summer. Oh, awesome. And again, go to smart-calling.com. I sent it in the message. And for the rest of you signed up, we got a ton more of these coming up. So expect an email from me every Monday with just a recap of the previous week's calls. Uh, Art doesn't know about this, but we're going to do a really cool write-up on this and put together uh, something really cool to summarize a lot of the main points from it that we'll share with Art and the rest of you guys. And one favor to ask is if you really like this, please share it with one other person. If there's one person at your company or that you're friends with or that you know that's in sales that would get value out of watching Art's talk and the rest of these Please share it and appreciate y'all coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. This was a fun one. My biggest, biggest takeaway from Smart Calling is around how to um, really address the gatekeepers topic and to really not even refer to people as gatekeepers, but to refer to them as assistants and to look at them as a way to help you get what you're looking for versus something you need to overcome or go around or go through, <laughs> right? So getting the assistant to work with you. So think about that. The next time you're reaching out to an account, you're trying to break into that company and get a hold of the people you need to, how can you get the people that you have to interact with on the way there? How can you get them to help you? So that's what I want to leave you with today. Thank you for tuning into the show. Again, if you want more of this, there's 42 speakers in total talking on the Think Outside the Script Summer Virtual Tour. So Art was one of 42 speakers talking about cold calling, cold email, LinkedIn, personal branding, all kinds of cool stuff. It's live. It's free. Tour.blissfulprospecting.com. Go check it out. You can check out all the replays of the people that have already sp uh, spoken so far. Excuse me. And thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.